Welcome back, my friends, to The Mark Claire Show, episode nine. We've made it. I barely made it anyway. Uh, it was it was a struggle. I'm not going to lie. It was a struggle to crawl to the microphone today. I just had a minor surgery a couple days ago. No big deal. Uh, the surgery actually wasn't the problem. It's the, it's the very strong meds that they gave me to recover with. So uh, it was not easy, you know, to get out of bed, crawl to this microphone, record this intro for you. But recorded, I had to for a number of reasons. One, I've got a hell of a conversation with my friend Monica Perez of Deep Dives with Monica Perez. It's a fantastic talk. You're going to love it. Patrons, subscribe stars, Rockfin premium subs, they already enjoyed it. They already enjoyed it. Enjoyed it? Enjoyed? Look, I told you it was a struggle, guys. The extended premium version of this episode, which of course has already been available uh, for a week or so, or so for premium subs. And I got a sponsor. I got a sponsor. My sponsors need love, but my sponsor is the reason I'm able to get here. It's the reason I was able to get to this microphone, Fox and Sons Coffee. It was my inspiration. I opened that bag. I took one whiff, brewed this puppy up, and here I am recording my intro for today's episode. So enjoy this conversation with Monica Perez. Enjoy a fine, dark blend. The Den Blend Dark, that's my favorite, at foxandsons.com. You can now use discount code MCS, MCS for Mark Claire Show. Use discount code MCS for 15% off your order over at foxandsons.com. This is truly the way that I do actually literally start my day with a cup of Fox and Sons. So check them out and enjoy my conversation with the great Monica Perez. With me today, she is, as far as I'm concerned, at least, uh, the internet's or the podcast world's foremost expert on propaganda. I'm very pleased to welcome, uh, I almost said welcome back, but it's your first time on this show, uh, the host of Deep Dives with Monica Perez. She is Monica Perez. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on your new show. Well, it is a pleasure, Monica. And I think I last interviewed you a couple years ago on Lions of Liberty. And at the time, I think at the time, one of the most interesting things about you was the fact that you were allowed on the radio while saying <laughs> all the crazy things you were out there saying. Uh, that did eventually change. So maybe you can just update us. Uh, we kind of crisscross each other as well. I left California. You actually moved to California. So why don't you just update everybody or for the first time, I guess, since maybe not ever, but maybe there are actually new listeners to me too, um, on your last couple of years, well, all these changes that have been going on for you. So I was a radio host in Atlanta on WSB, which was the number one news talk radio in the country. And I had a weekend show for eight and a half years and I only pulled a few punches. I would never say anything I didn't believe was true. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't think I went too much into 9-11. And when I first started that show, I didn't believe 9-11 was an inside job. It was only later that I realized that. And I, I didn't really pull too many punches, but I absolutely never like mis misallocated blame or anything. I always said what I thought was right, um, with the exception of like not really wanting to offend anybody. And Atlanta being in the heart of the CDC country, I feel like my COVID stuff just went too far because in February, 2020, I was playing on the air, February, 2020, like the first cases I was playing on the air excerpts from the event 201 simulation mm -hmm. and people, it was like war of the worlds. People were like screeching to a halt in the streets, like saying like 6 million people are dead. You know and I'm like? No, no, not yet. <laughs> like, no, not remember yet. Orson Welles? I'm doing one of those things. <laughs> Only they really wrote it. Yeah. I mean, I stopped playing the, like the clips in the middle of the show and then and, and those clips, just for people that might not be familiar yeah, yeah, with right. Event 201, like those, those were clips from fake radio broadcasts from a simulation about the possible pandemic that just happened to start to be like two months before the actual one. Right. It was so this was in October 2019, and it was about a novel coronavirus that would last, that would shut the world down for 18 months. That would make the stock market go down by 40%. Literally, like on that day, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the day that Event 201 predicted. And it was just so when people were saying there was a two-week lockdown, I was like, no, no, it's like two years. Listen to this. And and uh at the same time, I had started doing the a daily podcast, Deep Dives, on my sh former show, which is the Propaganda Report. And I had this producer on the radio was like, oh my gosh, like, I love your podcast. It's fantastic. Like bring that. And I was like, really? But it's so you know, edgy <laughs> for this crowd. He's like, no, no, it's great. So these things all happened in February of 2020. And I, I be think careful my, what you wish yeah. for. Okay. So that's <laughs> some timing for them to tell you to ramp it up. I know, but he, he was a really good guy. And like, he, 
um, he's not even there anymore because the station changed so much. But uh, I think one of my last shows or the show before I got fired, I, I hit on 9-11, Boston Marathon bombing. I mean, I think I even hit like JFK, every single thing. Plus just firing it all like, off. Uh... Yeah, because I was just like, oh, really? You want the real me? And I mean, by the end of the week, I got a call like they're taking the Monica Perez show off the air. And I was like, wow, like eight and a half years. Like I have said some crazy stuff. Like what the heck? No explanation. There was new management. And we had talked a lot about Jeffrey Epstein. We talked about election integrity. It could have been anything. But yeah, uh, there's a long list, of, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> that was it. And But I had kind of worried about the new owners anyway. So that's why my sidekick, Binkley, and I started a daily show because I was like, they're never put, well, they're training me for a radio show. But uh, at this point, it's not going to happen. When it was a family-owned business, maybe not anymore. So, um, and that was great because for two years or almost three, we did the drive time news blast, which was completely modeled after like, you know, headlines. And, um, so you did not have to listen to the regular radio where it had a lot of agenda. You could just go through what the mainstream media, that's why I was called the propaganda report is what the mainstream media was saying, but why, why they were, they really not for the reason they're telling you. And that, I think, got a lot of people through the whole lockdown period, which, yes, by coincidence, because of my husband's job, we moved out to L.A. around that time. And it was so much worse than living in Georgia. Like, Georgia would have been awesome to go through. And I think it, Georgia came out of lockdown even before Florida did. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, was like, was, it was like two or three weeks and they were like, all right, that's over. Totally traumatizing to my family, but we, you know, made it stronger. And I used to get a lot, a lot of emails saying, like, if it weren't for you kind of telling us not to completely panic, or at least we're not crazy and seeing things that seem, you know, well, when he says trust the science, like, why not just like, you know, why doesn't the science just prove it to me? Why do I have to trust it? Hmm. And I think we got a lot of people through that, but it just doing a daily show was it really, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I've got other obligations and um, my family just needed a little more attention. So, uh, but I feel like we all got each other through that period. And now I kind of took a step back. Maybe someday I'll be able to do a daily show again. And I just do one or two deep dives a week. So I'll do like 45 minutes on a subject. So I did FTX. I did Rishi Sunak, the new prime minister of the UK. Like I'll just take one thing and really try to get to the bottom of it. Plus I do like these, um, a lot of interviews and I interview other people. So I'm keeping my toe in the water, but it's not like it was. I mean, I was doing, I, I definitely was doing six shows a week if you or you know, more than one a day sometimes. And, uh, but there was so much going on and plus Trump was hilarious. So super entertaining. And now it's just depressing. Do you miss doing the radio show at all? Or was it, is it kind of something that you knew, like there's somebody with an ax back here that's going to end this thing at some point. So at least that is, you're sort of free from that, that feeling. Maybe. It's a great, great question that nobody asked. Like I was completely relieved. I had hmm. an eight and a half years. However, I, you know, hundreds of shows, not a single show went by that. I was not literally sick with nerves before the show wow. sick, like sick. And, uh, is this going to be the day? Is this going to be, the uh, one? it was just awful. And it wasn't about getting through the show. It was a three hour show. It was just about the show starting. Like I just want to throw up in the, in the, <laughs> right. in the trash can. And, um, it was a relief after that. However, now I always knew this was a loss, but I'm really, you know, it's a real, real loss in that there were two elements to that show that you cannot get on podcasting. One was that you were reaching people who were just there for news traffic and weather. Right. So you were reaching tens of thousands of people. I mean, if I filled in during the week, it would be hundreds of thousands of people on, I mean, this one triumph we had was I had Catherine Bernard on the show, who you may know from libertarian circles, yeah, but she's a real gorgeous her, gal. Yeah. yeah. So she was fighting no knock raids and I happened to be filling in for Eric Erickson one night and I had her on and over the weekend, the tide turned and it did not pass. And Georgia would have been a place where it would pass because we got, I was hundreds of thousands of people listening. We just said, call, you know, call in. And I, I feel, I mean, I don't have proof of it, but I feel like that was very effective and you're never getting that because radio is a push and podcasting is a pull. no. Yeah, a pull. Like people yeah, will pull exactly. the podcast to themselves, but the other was a push. And the other thing that really I I have to figure this out because 
when you do that, especially in what I would argue may be the most diverse city in the country, you get people to call who disagree. Hmm. And then you get that um, you get that debate. So you have other people bringing up the points that they get from CNN or mainstream media or right. even their own thinking, their own expertise. You got I got so much. I mean, it was so WSB was like, I can't. They always told me like the African-American community is does not listen to WSB in Atlanta. It's like half the people and more than half my callers were African-American. And they, they listen would, to like, Monica. <laughs> yeah, they listen because because I was saying stuff that was obviously true. And mm. what it revealed was that how people are portrayed by the mainstream media, by people who don't represent them, by the, the uh, as um, one of my listeners called the method activists, you know, they get out there and they are not actually represent. I mean, have one show totally hijacked by um, liberal blacks in Atlanta who are against reparations. Like they just kept calling like, this would be bad. This would be bad. This would be bad. You will never, ever hear that. And, and that's what I think is a real, that's what I miss. And although that was like the most nerve wracking part, like having people call you who didn't agree with you, that I feel like was where the value lied. And I actually believe that's why they cannot have diversity in radio at all. And when I got there, I, I was told by that same producer that I was the only person who did not screen out Ron Paul callers. And this was like, <laughs> you screen so them in. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and opposite. this was in 2012 when he won Iowa. Like, wow. and this was a conservative radio station. I mean, not that time, but later Rush Limbaugh was the main a show there and so they someone would calls not... in and says hey i'm a ron paul guy they'd be like okay thank you click yeah and they would they would like listen for you people would learn eventually don't say you're a ron paul guy but they would listen for those kind of arguments if you had a good screener he could screen that person out oh. and that's what they did on purpose and i mean i'm not naming names because i don't know who it was but my understanding was it was universal and i just i embraced that obviously and that's why you know you just can't have diversity on the radio i don't think yeah, well, I mean, yeah, like podcasting is a, a fantastic platform where you can really find your people and build your community. Um, but I, I suppose the downside of that is that it's it's less likely that you're going to stumble. Like if someone gets through all of this interview we're going to do today, it, it's not that likely that they're going to be a dissenting opinion and that they're going to call in and, right. and are, you know, you're only going to get the people that probably pretty much maybe they don't agree with every word we say, but they're on our wavelength if they're putting that much time into it where you're just not going to get that randomly come normies come across hearing you say something crazy and and you know create that dynamic that you really do only get with with radio yes and i will say that is so what i feel like the mission for me now is to concentrate on delivering information in like a sane and orderly way that has some documentation that was one thing i really learned on the radio was People were reading the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times and listening to Fox and listening to Rush. And I had to be prepared for all of that and bring my own view. And I would have to support my view, whereas people were just reading articles from the Wall Street Journal could just say, I read in the journal this morning. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I read on natural news this morning. Like that doesn't <laughs> work. You know, <laughs> you have to back com reported that. <laughs> <laughs> And I used to, I used to use Infowars, but then I would have to back it up mm -hmm. and I can do that. So I feel like now what I want to do with like deep dives is to give information and let all the people out there, because I did build up a pretty good audience. Then they use that at their, at their holiday table. Right. And that's something else they taught me at radio. They were like, we want your goal is for someone to come in the house and sit down to dinner after they just listened to your show and say, you know what Monica just said on the radio, what I just heard on WSB. That's what you want. And I, I, so I got a lot from the radio thing and you absolutely nailed it with community. Local radio was good for community, but this podcasting after my move, I have made more friends oh, yeah. from meetups than I, I made it like even at my kids' school and stuff. Like it's just where you find like-minded people and it's great. You can trust them. Yeah. 
I just love that. We just moved to the Tampa area, and the only people I know here are people that are fans of my podcasting. <laughs> like oh, that's those are the great! People I, I mean, with first, and it's, it's, it was so easy. You know, that's a community, and you can trust them. And I just, I really appreciate that. And I feel like if all the things that podcasting does, it's that it's those. It's like the eBay of you know thoughts and spirit. You know, yeah. like you can find in the pile of you know junk like that thing that is your treasure. And I just feel like that's one thing. That's that's a cost. That's a cost to the system that gave us the internet as a limited hangout. Like that's that's the biggest part of the hangout is these connections, which keep keep us human, you know, in this technifying world. Yeah, well, you you use a term right there, and it's a term that I learned from you, and I'm pretty sure that's because I, I believe you coined the term limited hangout. So, um, can you describe exactly what a limited hangout is, and then maybe we can look at some possible current examples. I thank you. I didn't. I did not coin you it, but okay. well, I, def- I. I no. first heard it from you. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes, for sure. It's definitely popularized, and that was one thing I I would do on the radio. Is like I would bring these ideas, like psyop. That was something that nobody heard of. Black psyop, gray, white. Uh, so the limited hangout. Um, perfect example is Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. So, and in and the I, beginning, I actually when I use t- you as research because yeah. I don't know if you saw about a year and a little more than a year ago, I did a debate against Eric Brakey where I argued that Edward Snowden's uh, revelations, or it's I don't, I don't remember the exact premise, but I, he was the pro Snowden, and I was the maybe we should be suspicious of this whole thing. So. Yes, and I would get so much hostility from libertarians when Edward Snowden came out because within about a week, I have to credit who was called American Everyman at the time. Now he's nomadic Everyman after he got taken off the um, his WordPress site. But after about a, he got it right away. But after about a week, I was like, this guy's fake because I'm not saying you, I'm not asking you to own that, but that was my opinion. And I think the Joe Rogan stuff made it pretty clear that he's just in a can. But he, because first of all, he just got too much airtime. That's just never going to happen from a real problem. And then I looked into, I had been following, RT used to be a lot better than it is now, but RT was great back in the day. And I would was following all these revelations that Edward Snowden eventually gave to the world, but at the time, they were all out there already. They were all out there. So in the beginning, his revelations, I I had a compilation of, and I lost my WordPress site, so I, I don't think I can identify it now and by loss, your wordpress site you mean they they like wiped it from you at some point right <laughs> yes they tri- they tricked me they tricked me and then they took it down i'm happy to tell you about that in a sec sure. but i but i wrote all this stuff about uh the all the all, i linked to all the articles that had every single solitary thing he said my premise was that the, he did not come out with a single solitary thing that was new nothing zero and if he really was tapped into secret information about the surveillance state it would be of a uh, tech of the future it would be 10 years from now or even 1 year from now we're already we've already outpaced anything that he talked about so what, of what value is that? And it, and it was not authentic because if it was secret, it definitely was going to have some like, wow, this is coming. Like they're, you know, they're going to read your mind and then you're going to get a Quora answer from something you didn't even Google yet. You know, like there's going to be stuff like that. And he just didn't show anything like that. And there were other things that were highly suspicious about him. And you can see later he won a, an Oscar for fit, footage that was not consistent with the original story. Like supposedly he was in contact with these journalists. Yes. For like citizen nine or something. That's like almost there like was... a, that's almost like they're, they're waving it in front of you. Like best actor. Great job. <laughs> oh, that's too much. Yeah. I mean, so this, and that was something when I was doing research on uh, uh, psyops, they would, start with a PSYOP. And if it did great, they could morph the story and extend it in ways that maybe they didn't think of before. So when his story started changing, little details about his upbringing and stuff Mm. would change. I feel like that's a classic, classic PSYOP. But the limited hangout element is they will give you a lot of information about something that doesn't make them, meaning let's just say the government, military intelligence, the surveillance state, however, in this case, the them is, they will give you as much information as um, you need. They need to give you to establish credibility. And then they will use that to 
achieve a more important goal. So they'll take that hit, but then they'll, so in this case, when it first came out, I was like, okay, there's a goal here. And I said, if you listen carefully to his words, what he was saying, he implied or said that he was a Ron Paul supporter, but no Ron Paul supporter would have said it this way. He said, I don't, I'm not saying we shouldn't have this kind of surveillance. Mm -hmm. I'm saying we need to have the conversation and it's illegal. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to legalize it. They're going to legalize all of this. And, and I hate to say it, and I really hesitate to say it, but I remember Rand Paul was instrumental in getting the Freedom Act, like Freedom Act USA or whatever it was called. USA, I think it was which, USA Freedom Act, yeah. Yeah, USA Freedom Act. That was the thing that codified all the stuff he said was not included in the mm -hmm. USA Patriot Act that they were doing. And then, so it was like, I think it was like two years to the day they achieved that. And so he, he was a hangout. He said a lot of bad stuff that people could point to what has changed. It's only gotten worse. So when, so a hangout is basically someone that's intentionally sort of put out there as like a whistleblower or a hero of some kind with real credible, verifiable information, which gives the credibility of it being true. And then I guess the limited is you don't know that this is all part of a, a psychological operation yeah. in some way. They don't, they don't give you everything and they'll use it for some other thing. Like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Like he's going to advocate something bad or, or he's there as a hangout so that he can corral people and they won't go beyond the parameters or like with Julian Assange. I think he is one too. Mm, so, really? okay. so yeah. So I feel like, because, and here's a good question. If Julian Assange didn't exist, the CIA would have to create him. There has to be a honeypot. And there was one like Cryptome or Cryptagon or whatever. There was a guy who was actually doing it and you would just dump directly your whistleblowing onto his website and he would not curate it. But Julian Assange curates it and he owns it. Once you give it to him, he can choose to release it or not. And I feel like just it's like, God, if, if he didn't exist, you'd have to invent him if, if there weren't some, you know, the CIA has to attract whistleblowers. It has to. Hmm. So I feel like that's Assange. She might not know it. I think he does. Well, yeah, that but... was my other question. Does a limited have hangout have to know they are a limited hangout? Could they actually just be doing what they're doing on purpose and thinking they're doing yeah. something noble when they are being used for by other people? Yeah, like I wonder about Kanye. Like, what is he up to? He clearly has a handler. Is he playing a role or did they just find somebody, you know, to be a patsy who had a specific psychological profile, who would be prone to it, who could be manipulated? The thing with like Assange, I think Assange gave his lawyer to Edward Snowden. And, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff between those two that I just don't think is real. But like, but with Kanye, I really don't know. Even Alex Jones. I mean, he discredits a lot of things that by his behavior and persona that should have credit. I remember when he was on Piers Morgan jumping up and down about gun control. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, the Larry Pratt interview, <laughs> which is that gun owners of America guy. Like that was fantastic. It's but a what CNN was test sometimes for me too. It's like, <laughs> is CNN showing it to me? If, if, why <laughs> right. it's not cause they're yeah. pro like pro Alex Jones, uh, you know, Jones or cause they're against the spying. Like even, even the first day of the Snowden revelations, I remember seeing it on CNN and, he, and even then right. I was like, that's shocking. And then I was also like, why is it on CNN? I was like, something, yeah. something isn't right, quite right a, here. That's a great test. And, and I think that there is there. I also think that there's this stuff in the alternative space. I do believe that there's plenty of that in the alternative. They have to, but it, it exists in a, you know, sub MSM, you know, whatever ecosphere hmm. yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. I hate that. Well, let's dig into Assange a little bit more. Cause like for Snowden, Snowden's actually a pretty easy one for me, especially hearing that Rogan interview and you breaking him down. I like, know. I mean, there was like eight different, first of all, if you just, if you just watch it, it, you can just use instinct and forget everything else. Cause to me, it just doesn't look right yeah, at all. Agreed. Um, but whatever, not everybody maybe has that, that same kind of instinct, but you know, to me, Snowden is off doing something he's like advocating for vaccines from afar like okay i can i can buy that he's just an not but yeah you know with assange so then you have him being locked in the embassy you have him being imprisoned is that all part yeah. of the op is that even happening yeah like, these are the questions i ask i'm not saying you know the okay, answer so, either but well i mean i just i have my like the, these these theories get really out there so well, it's you're, just you're in theory. the right place this, this is a whole new world <laughs> okay good okay great so uh, if you look at Assange has a weird history. Like, I think he grew up in a cult kind of atmosphere. And 
and I think there, there is, there was a picture of him. I believe it was Jane Mansfield or some, um, Harlow, Jean Harlow, maybe that he was a drag queen of this, one of these super blonde bombshells from the mid 20th century. There's a picture of him, which I can't find it now. Uh, I used to have it all, but I, I can't find it now. And I was like, oh, this guy looks great in drag. Like he really, really does. And I wonder sometimes if that he really wasn't in the embassy the whole time, but would sneak out, you know, dressed as a woman or something in some kind of disguise, like, like Edward Snowden alluded to being in a little bit of a disguise uh, also. So his story, and he has some really weird pictures, what look like amateurish pictures that you would put, you know, in a, in a, you know, the back of a, you know, GQ or something to solicit. Like it was really, really weird, his younger picture. So I wonder sometimes if these guys can be hidden in plain sight, if they, you know, are not trans, but maybe happy to dress like a woman. Mm. Because he said, even a, a Snowden said on the Joe Rogan thing, like, I'll be walking around and like only my eyes will be showing and someone will still recognize me. And I noticed with, Snowden, like his look is always the same. He always has that same haircut. He always has the same glasses. Yeah. Like it's like he doesn't want you to understand any variation of his appearance because it's like, he this probably is the Edward Snowden costume. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I don't think he's in Russia. I'm not sure he ever was in Russia. Putin plays along, but I don't think he was ever in Russia. And like with Assange, I just so he has a beard. Like nowadays, I think he's just living but, alone in some CIA dungeon and just once in a while he has to go do a Zoom call to you know make some appearance. Yeah, I mean, now with the beard, it is a little, you know, I, I, I don't I don't have a good theory of, you know, where he's living, what he's allowed to do. And I don't dig into him too deeply, but I just feel like if he, you know, and I also say, like, what did come of it? Just like Snowden, like what has ever come of Assange? Now, you know, someone I think is absolutely real uh, is Ross Albrecht. Hmm, yeah. Like that, people should be getting him out of jail. And I almost wonder if they have Assange as a way to drown out the injustice of poor Ross, Ross Albrecht's incarceration. Well, let's, uh, let's try to bring all this and tie it into <laughs> to some current events. You did, you mentioned you did a deep dive on FTX. And part of me even wonders if like, if, um, if a limited hangout could be like a villainous character, like a Sam, Sam Bagman Friedman, where it's like, here's the villain. Look at him. He looks kind of squirrely. That's the guy that did yeah. it all. Let's go. put. and then meanwhile, there's obviously much more powerful people that are behind all this than this, like, you know, half retarded, uh, and Jufro guy. <laughs> I, I definitely have my theories about him and it's a little complicated because I went to Stanford law school and I had his father as a professor and I didn't really I don't think Mr. I had Bankman? a mother. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. Really? Mr. Bankman. Yeah. And I really liked him. He was good. He was the crim. He was the crim professor for like what the first year stuff. And I totally liked him. I had no I, I mean I, I couldn't believe that he'd be involved in any of this stuff. And so I started looking into it a little more deeply because at, at first it just looks like a complete psyop to me. And just designed to make crypto regulated. and But I just couldn't believe that those guys would be in on that. And I dug a little deeper and it seems like they had uh, real, really devoted to this, like the, this, their sort of ethics. So they call it utilitarianism. And then Sam Bankman Freed became involved in effective altruism. So they have this like morality that could, could justify something like this. Like we don't care what other people think. Like that's part of our, you know, humble approach to doing good for the world. So we will take this hit and what we'll do is we will facilitate the problem that will cause the regulation before a real problem happens and causes contagion or a lot of losses. So mm. I feel like the losses are being really overblown because mm. there's no no accounting. There's no accounting. So all you're hearing about these losses is the John J. Ray or whatever his name is, the Enron guy now runs FTX in a restructuring environment, chapter 11. He says there's no, it was a hundred corporations had to go into chapter 11. He's really trying to do forensics on the numbers. And then you have uh, SBF saying nobody 
who was at the FTX USA company, which would be legal for Americans to invest in, will lose money. Like he keeps saying that if they don't fuck this up, we, they will not lose money. However, people in the international thing, I don't know, it's hard to deal with other countries. And, you know, I keep waiting for them to say, like, there's going to be, uh, we need a, uh, an international regulatory regime, whatever. And he said a couple of times, which I absolutely picked up on, any Americans who were investing in FTX International would be breaking laws. And, you know, so I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're protecting the FTX USA people according to the laws here. And the international people, they don't have a lot of sympathy for because they were lying and skirting laws. So I feel like also these tremendous margin positions that people were permitted to take probably are exaggerating the magnitude of the losses that they're talking about. And, you know, it's complicated by a couple of things. There's a lot of VC, like real capital in there. But on the other hand, like if you look at the numbers, the dollars that are being accounted for like making contributions somewhere investment somewhere a super bowl ad or naming rights in miami like that kind of squares up with some of the real money that came in from the vcs and i don't know if they would be in on it or because they're in the u.s maybe they'll get their money back i don't know how that's going to work but i also look at the fact that his parents were law professors and her caroline ellison the alameda one his like partner in crime oh, the really creepy looking like Dorothy yes exactly She's wearing her Caroline Ellison costume. Like right, if you, right, you can't right. find a picture of that, they look like literally like dress like a nerd day. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that's what it yeah. looks like. And, and she has this weird interview in the Bahamas where she's just like, guy, like I learned this math in second grade, <laughs> you know, it's she, just, she reminds she's, me of the girl that they pretend to tell us like ma- did all the code for the moon landing. And she's like standing next to the, the stack of papers. Have you seen that one? Oh, no, I haven't. Uh, she looks but, yeah, exactly it's... like that girl. There's a girl from the picture from the 60s where like, oh, here's a, I don't remember the name of like Dorothy Smith, who wrote all the code for the moon landing. Unfortunately, we lost it. But, but it's just her standing <laughs> next to a stack of papers. Looks a lot like that girl. Well, they, I think they do take pictures like that, that they know are authentic and they replicate them and they just figure out what's going to seem right to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe tap on an image that you already have in your mind, like almost archetypally. Right. And I, I feel like that's what they did with her. But her parents are both economics professors at MIT and her father is the head of the economics department. And at one point, and this is true for so many people in this story, uh, Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC taught a class there on like crypto regulation. And he would perforce report to, uh, Caroline Ellison's father. So there's, the fact that these kids are in this deep without any kind of financial regulation, tax, uh, the father, Bankman, was a, is a tax specialist, um, as well as got a, a degree in clinical psychology. And you hear a lot of that psychobabble coming out of SBF's mouth. So I think that the twist with all of that is they're going to say, um, and he actually, SBF actually referred to long-term capital management in his prepared testimony for Congress today. Now he was arrested this morning in the Bahamas, so he's not able to testify before Congress, which means he does not have this opportunity to perjure himself or have to answer questions. Lucky him. But he actually mentioned long-term capital management and that the book about that, which was the failure, I think because they overinvested in Russian bonds and then Russia, uh, um, declared default or defaulted on the bonds in the 90s. So the book about that is called The Smartest Guys in the Room. Mm. And the idea is the smartest guys in the room can cause a spectacular failure that has terrible contagion. And I feel like this is an echo of that. And if these kids, these little phenoms, are not talking about the little whippersnappers of Zuckerberg and, um, you know, Musk and Gates, the, these guys who came, you know, dropped out of high school and started a company in their garage. Like, that's like the old school we're talking, you know, and those people also can't possibly be the dropout garage dwellers who testify before Congress and run some of the biggest companies in the world. Like, there is no way a brain has the capacity to do all of those things, much less all 10 of the guys in charge of the biggest tech companies in the world. But what, uh, but what I think they'll do with this is they'll say, if these guys who are typical snot-nosed billionaires who have this kind of firepower behind them, the, the greatest minds of law, tax, um, 
uh, economics, an SEC regulator on, you know, the head of the SEC is one degree of separation, then if they can't do it, no one can. And we need to the big message here is transparency in crypto. They want the information. They need it to be non-anonymous. And they even said today in Congress, this John J. Ray said that we can find out where all the crypto went and we will. Like we can trace it all. And that's because somebody hacked in and stole a bunch of it, whatever. But it just seems to me very, very much a setup. And I mean, I don't know if there if this kid is going to go to jail or it's going to look like he went to jail. My guess is we're going to be hashtagging SBF didn't kill himself soon. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so. I know people say that, but I think that what they're going to say, I think he's going to get away with it. And the message that he will deliver is I should be in jail, but the, but the laws are not there for that. Mm. So let's put them there. Ah, interesting. Interesting. So do you think that this entire SBF, FBX, F, FBX, I'm sorry, I was combining FTX I, and SBF in, in yeah. one, one term there. Uh, this entire thing is maybe just a giant. I mean, it's really the first like public um, crypto related scandal other than just the price going down or, or something like that. You know, and and I wonder, you look at this thing, like you said, the Super Bowl ad, this guy's hanging out with like Tom Brady. Like, is there a reason so much attention was put on this with tying it into celebrities? Um, all this stuff where, you know, people people yes. had heard of FTX not long before all this thing yes. came down. So you think that's all all intentional? I think they hyped it all on purpose. And it's really telling to see Larry David's ad where he says, I don't believe it. I'm not buying it. That's his ad. Like his ad was sarcasm. Sort of. And now they get to say Larry David was right. Like he was fully protected. So I just feel like, yes, that the the really public naming rights, all that stuff, uh, I think it was designed to make this very, very public. And that's why you don't see any numbers, because I don't I think that it's being totally exaggerated. Interesting. So do you think that this could be leading to obviously they want crypto regulation. They want to put KYC on everything. So you can't you know, they always know where your, your money is or what have you. Do you think this could also be part of what they do for the making the case for bringing the CBDC in? Because now they can say, well, look, the technology is great. It's fantastic. But it's the Wild West out there. Look at what just happened. But if we control it, if we put it under the central bank, it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, I totally think so. And when you started seeing banks and I don't know what companies they've been talking about, when you start seeing them bring in, uh, like make big capital investments to accommodate crypto, like I knew it's going to be there. Digital currency is going to be there. And I've always just wondered, does it fold Bitcoin in? Or because Bitcoin is of limited quantity, um, you know, maybe it's some kind of like gold reserve, you know, what are they going to do with that? But it looked to me like crypto was definitely part of the program as, and I've always thought this since day one. I mean, I remember literally like the first time I even heard of it, it was like, oh, that's a stepping stone to a cashless society. Like, obviously that's what's going on here. And I feel like that's definitely what's going on. I don't know how they're going to fold in existing crypto. Maybe it'll everything will go away except for Bitcoin. Maybe they'll incorporate it. But I feel like that's 100%. And we're a little behind on the CBDC. But you know what is first was first on experimenting with the digital currency, I believe, was El Salvador. And in this research, I noticed that Mr. Bankman, who I did really respect, and I, I don't want to say anything negative about him, but he was born in El Salvador, which I did not know. And I thought that was kind in. of weird. I mean, it, not as weird as the <laughs> fact that his name is Bankman. But, but, but. I know. And then Fried, you know, I mean, it's Freed, but I know. And the, and the uh, Barbara Freed's sister is a health person at the World Economic Forum. And SBF's brother, Gabe, ran like a nonprofit to promote vaccines and which also discredited ivermectin and FTX gave a lot of money to that. And I mean, I just but I thought what was interesting was I really feel like there is some underlying ethics in in their minds of what's going on here. And that's why I feel like they're not screwing over. I just don't think they're going to bankrupt law abiding Citizens, I would suspect that FTX USA does, they are made whole, the individual customers. I, I, as long as Tom Brady gets his his millions back, <laughs> I'll be happy. Um, someone else I'd like to, like to talk about because he's someone that's really come into the forefront as like a, 
a right wing or a libertarian like white knight uh, and, and as of late. Uh, and that is Mr. Elon Musk, someone you've talked about quite a bit. Um, and he's certainly on the, on the, the surface level. Like if I just put myself in the purely not trying to look beyond things level, I would be like, yeah, he's doing stuff. I like, I like that thing. He said, I like this thing he said. And then I look at the bigger picture and I am very suspicious. So I'd like to just know uh, kind of your thoughts on this whole Musk thing. Well, I, I have done, I've dug into basically every huge tech guy, like big tech billionaire, or whatever, and all the Americans. <clears throat> I found like one degree of separation from military intelligence. You know, it's just one degree from the deep state in every single case. I think the furthest away was Bezos, whose grandfather was a high mucky muck in the like atomic energy, whatever commission which was closely tied to the defense sounds, industry. Sounds so like close that, enough. Maybe that's two degrees. Yeah, that was the, and he used to spend his summers with him. Like, so he was, they had a close relationship. The only one I couldn't find was Steve Jobs, but I did find that his actual birth father was a CIA agent in Syria. Right. So, <laughs> so I mean, and I like, maybe he didn't have a relationship with him, but I was just like, okay, that's, that's the, that's the, that was the one that was missing link. So, but with Elon Musk, he's South African. I have not been able to get like the real smoking gun about him, except for his very weird father and family. Someone sent me an article. Uh, uh, and I just can't find it, but I think someone did the work on him to prove it, but you know, by their deeds, you shall know them. A couple of things with him is what is his family he, background, by the way? He's like, you touching that briefly. Oh, I don't his, know anything about that. Yeah. His, I believe his mother was English, his father, South African, but his, they, I, I, you know, they did get rich with some, I mean, I'm really reaching now, uh, you know, gems or mines of some oh, yeah, kind, yeah. which is that always well. yeah. super, you know, it's obviously, highly connected to the right. authorities. You can't really get rich that way with that. But the father was like, uh, like a skivats. He impregnated his stepdaughter, I think like, bleh. so that's very skeevy. So Elon's half sister is also. Yeah. Like his half grand neat, his half niece. It's so, it's so disgusting. Yeah. So, well, I shouldn't say it's disgusting. I'm sure, you know, the girl's nice. It's not right. um, incest or whatever, but I, ugh. and, and I believe he has a half sister that they won't own with all this money, like another half sister who looks just like him. And it's like, she's like, come on, I don't even want your money. just come on. And they're just like, I don't know. I never saw this girl. <laughs> so it's just, you know, I don't like that. stuff's kind of gross, but um, no, I just, I haven't been able to crack the code to make the connections, but I, I think they are out there, but the things that he's done, that like reveal to me that there's something going on. It's like when he was tweeting stuff that costs shareholders real money. I mean, that is such a profound violation of SEC rules. Like you, you would get seriously in trouble. Like you would not live to tweet another day. Now he bought Twitter, but before that, I get they should have even arranged the story. Like Twitter banned me because I said those things, and now I'm buying it out of revenge. Maybe, maybe that is part of his story. I don't know, but I just felt like there should be repercussions for this stuff. It isn't the wild west. The stuff is, and same thing with SBF, like the SEC and the commodities exchanges do actually regulate crypto. They assert the authority to regulate it. And he abided by those regulations. So, uh, Elon gets away with stuff that normal people would not get away with, in my opinion. And I have to say my Twitter experience has gotten worse since he took over. Really? Now I don't How know. So? Yeah, but um, a few ways. One is I started a Twitter account for deep dives, my new show, and it was suspended permanently, like two, two tweets in. And, and I was wondering if it was like what happened to Darren, um, at Grimerica that like any device he uses gets any account that he establishes from any device gets immediately suspended because they hate they him. Flagged him as a person. Yeah. Yes. But I, my Twitter account I'm very careful not to be rude. So I feel like people who get a little hot are the ones where they 
will ban you, but I, I haven't done anything to like justify that, but I tweet plenty of stuff about COVID and stuff. Anyway, so they took me down and then they restored it after I complained. Uh, but the other thing that happened was I'm starting to get <laughs> Billy Sampson. He gets, he gets fired I'm up st- about your, your account being suspended. <laughs> He's so. mad. He's <laughs> mad at my, this is my Twitter thing. So, um, he, so then I've also gotten a lot of like, this tweet might trigger people. I got a great one the other day. I was tweeting about Lockerbie. Like they arrested somebody at Lockerbie. Yeah. And I'm like, does anyone not know that this was the CIA? Like some people still think like this is Libya. they arrest someone for that every decade. They're like, oh, we've got <laughs> right. the real guy now, everyone. Well, the other guy is dying, so they need to keep that going. So he, so they, so I tweeted this BBC article and I said like, it's false flag. We should cover this. And that got flagged. But I, then I just tweeted the, article itself and it did not get flagged and then i tried to tweet an article that had an opposing view and that would not even tweet it didn't even say it's just like something's wrong with your account right now and i was like i could be that Hmm. article you know it was just because i started using yandex.com have you heard of yandex y-a-n-d-e-x.com it's like it's like russian google and you can just google stuff and actual answers come up not not like the uh (laughs) yes it's amazing so i find all this stuff and but you can't you can't tweet any of it Mm -hmm. so uh so i've just noticed those little things but i was on a show yesterday union of the unwanted with ronnie is it snellman he's from finland and he was pointing out that uh Musk wants to kind of turn Twitter into WeChat, which I'm not, I have, oh no, I have WhatsApp. I don't know what WeChat is. It's the Chinese kind of like all pervasive surveillance thing, I think. And that he wants people to come back to Twitter because he well, needs he, he says everybody to clip, be on yeah, it. There's, there's video of him oying oh, okay. that. He's like, oh yeah, we just basically make it WeChat, but, but, but better. Yeah. So maybe he does want people to come back because he wants it to be absolutely all inclusive, like Facebook, basically. So I don't know, but my personal experience has not been better. And I know a lot of people haven't been restored yet, but, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but I I definitely, as Ian Davis said the other day, I was listening to him, um, talking to him actually. And he said like, what is Musk in on? He's in on the electric car thing. So like you have no, get away because driverless cars like they, you're not going to own a driverless car like that's it's you're no longer going to have that autonomy he does that and it's government subsidized he's doing spacex because somebody's got to land that's on the, the one that almost like if nothing else was going on <laughs> the fact that he you've seen the clip where he says you know you know it's real because it looks so fake about the car that supposedly he put that car this tesla that's supposedly just like orbiting the earth and there's a clip of him saying that he's like oh you know you know it's real because it looks so fake ha 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 oh my like, gosh like you know it works because it's because you got so right. sick yeah it's <laughs> like that. well i have to look at that but he also has the Neuralink thing he's also and i remember the first time i suspected musk and i like literally it was like a 9-11 kind of thing where like where were you like i remember sitting in my kitchen in my old house and my husband was like i wasn't as far down the rabbit hole at the time my husband was like wow elon musk you know he's super libertarian and he just said like the one thing government really has to control is ai and i was like well that could be like true but it could be like he's limited hangout and that's what he's that's where he's going to get you. Like, hey, you know me. I'm a total anarchist. You but can trust AI, me. I man. put out the Twitter files. Yeah. Like, I'm doing right. all these things. Exactly. Send me the Twitter files. Like, yeah, they're they're nice right wing, like red meat, I suppose. But <laughs> like, is he saying anything we all don't already know? No. And yes, it's good to get confirmation, I suppose, in the public eye. So you can even point to the evidence now or whatever. But I, stuff like that isn't changing a single person's mind. Either people blow it off as just part of the right wing conspiracy. And now he's part of that right wing conspiracy or we already knew it. So there's really no, no revelation. And with that, to me, all of that, as well as Hunter's laptop, all of that is a massive distraction from what appears to me. Now, other people are saying this, and I will give Peter Schweitzer credit for it for the first time I ever read this. But when I dug into Ukraine and everything else, like it was crystal clear, the amount of corruption in uh, the Joe Biden you know, world from 
I, I don't know how far back it goes, but as far as back Ukraine corn goes, Papa, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> what is corn? What is that? It, it's this cr- weird. You'd have to look up the clip. It's a. It's just a weird story that Joe Biden was telling from about this guy named Corn Pop that he knew when he was young. Oh, right. It's a Joe Biden yes. weird, crazy story thing that kind of became. A yeah, totally yeah. weird. So he has all these things, and um, uh, you know, he did go back and say he wrote the USA Patriot Act for OKC. So he was around. So he he knows where the bodies are buried. He's in on all that stuff. But the level of corruption from um, Ukraine and China all flowing through this these different companies that Jim, his brother, and Hunter, his son, are absolutely hundred percent his beards for. Like mm-hmm. their job is to is to keep those assets in their name because they are the only ones he trusts and I'm sure he's their beneficiary and vice versa, whatever. But that corporation, it is Hunter Biden. It's Devin Archer. Who's a bit of a, like he's, he's not to the manner born and, there's a whole long story about that. I won't get into it unless you want to. But then there's there's James Bulger the third, and and I wonder if Whitey Bulger got killed just to make sure that he doesn't say is there anything a about is Whitey Bulger. Yes, yes, his nephew. Oh wow, wow, man. Yeah, it, and everything and the is father. connected. It's just it's wild. Oh yeah, no, that and Mueller was the Boston, the Attorney General up there in Boston mm-hmm. when all that shit was going down. It's crazy. And so it's um, and it's Chris Hines, who's John Kerry's stepson. Those four people, Archer, Hines, Bulger and Hunter (laughs) Biden. Some some wild law firm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's and it's in it's in a um, financial investing firm. And so when they were like, oh, Hunter draws a salary from Burisma, I'm like, it's not the salary. It's the billion dollars in IMF funding that's disappearing. And it's their connections to the um, Pravat Bank, which was worth billions and went under. Do you think um, even something like the laptop is like a limited hand? Out. It's like, oh, look how terrible this guy yeah. is because yeah. he's smoking crack with he with like young girls or whatever. When yes. it's really not, that's not really what matters. I invented a word for it called salacious haystacking. Ooh, salacious I like it. That one you haystacking. definitely coined. So yes, I definitely coined that one. That one. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. So it's when you when you want to pile a bunch of sexy, gross that's awesome, stuff. That's an awesome term. I like that. And not find the needle, which mm, is. Okay. The corruption. Right. So, so you'll see scandals, the, sex scandals, uh, yes. stuff that you know gets headlines. But it, all right. of that, all of those, those hay, all that hay keeps you from finding the actual needle, which is the actual you know smoking gun, or which whatever. is the corruption. Yeah. Right. So he's got a lot of emails in there, and the original New York Post article, which was banned by Twitter, was about the corruption. And then they continued to ban the New York Post for two weeks. However, other they let other people report on that on the laptop and the stories were just all about sex, drugs, and underage girls. You know, it was not about the corruption. And so now we're talking about anytime they really focus on process. So the pro- the Twitter files show the process of banning someone. I always feel like that's a massive distraction. It's a cover-up from the underlying crime. What is the underlying crime here? And it's it's not even banning somebody. It's like, why did you ban them? Like that was, you were really trying to suppress that information and the focus is on the process more than anything else now. And so I think, but the Biden corruption is like just staggering and ongoing, in my opinion. Uh, I'm curious, just um, one one distinction I want to make is that, you know, we talk about limited hangouts and then there's also this concept of, of created persons, which is like a slightly different yes. thing. Would you put Elon Musk? Well, you, like you said, you don't know. We haven't gotten to the bottom of it, but instinctually. No, I would. Okay, for so sure, you think yeah. he would be like a more like a created person, which is someone that's sort of invented out of the blue for a, to serve a specific purpose, which might be different than someone who is limited hangout. That's just sort of hung out yes. there for a moment for in time. Totally. So you can you can be a limited hangout and not know it for sure. I don't think you can be a created person and not know it. And I feel like the people who are the best candidates for created persons are people who were identified young. Mm. If you can go back in their public history and find some connection when they're teenagers, like James Comey. James Comey has cost the government millions of dollars and the bad things he's done. But it started when he was a teenager and he testified or fingered or whatever the Ramsey, New Jersey, Ramsey rapist. Hmm. And he and that guy was not guilty. And and he went to jail. They 
ultimately he was exonerated. They sued the government to the tune of a couple million dollars. Comey was also, so when Comey was like 17, I really feel like he's a sociopathic liar. And they identified him. Like the FBI was like, we could use a kid like this. Oh, so not I don't not know that what. he was already an asset then, but it's like, no. it's like almost like, oh, this guy fits the profile. We know that this guy's, we can, That's we can I use think. someone like this for bad stuff. Yeah, and then he went and he and Mueller, I think in the anthrax thing, they fingered the wrong person again, costing taxpayers millions of dollars. Stuff that went on in Boston cost taxpayers millions of dollars because they were, it's malfeasance. Uh, Fidel Castro wrote a letter to um, FDR in the 30s, I think, like when he was 12 years old. And I feel like they identified like he's, I think he said something like, I love America and I will do anything you ask and please send me a dollar, something like that. And I feel like they're like, oh yeah, that guy. And Stacey Abrams, um, she went to a summer program, a Telluride program, and I think it's for people of color. And that's when I realized that they take, they identify and lift up. And I think um, AOC was like this. They take people of color not because they want to give them a hand up, but because they need a front person. Mm. As Stacey Abrams herself says, you can tell by looking at me that I can be trusted. Mm. And then there's this other program, the Center for Talented Youth at Johns Hopkins, which used to identify itself as studying hyper-intelligent kids. Now I think it's about promoting them and fostering them. It used to be about studying them. People who were in that, Zuckerberg, Bryn, Lady Gaga, uh, the guy behind Quora, um, and I only discovered that because they're all the same Don Hopkins study. Yeah. In the, in the summer program, it's called the center for talented youth, wow. which now I believe they promote as like math camp or whatever, but it used to be clear. It was psychological study. And I only found that because Zuckerberg was transferred to Exeter as a junior. Do you know what Phillips Exeter and is like the number one high school in the country? Like uh-huh. it, it just, I can't even, I transferred to Harvard as a junior. And I was like, I don't believe anybody transfers to Exeter as a junior. And he did. I was like, what was that? And I think it was a classics major because I was watching him testify in front of Congress. And I'm like, this is a math geek. His recall of details is up there with like a history professor, you know? And that's what CIA looks for is, mm. is recall because they don't want you to write stuff down. So they look for and history they people. they need it to be perfect because for- your yep. story, they it would preferably yes. won't change ever. <laughs> yes. And, and linguistics they like. So if you're a Russian major, I'll always look and see if you made that connection. Mm. But I was like, this guy doesn't speak passed the sniff test. So I would say Zuckerberg, all those guys in the Johns Hopkins sure. thing. That, that, that just, ring, yeah, that just rings change true agent. In, every, yeah. in every way. And her story doesn't really make, she's like, oh, nobody believed in me. I'm like, you were identified as like a 12-year-old. They have to get a 1,200 on the SATs at the age of 12. Wow. wow. Which, I mean, some people, that'd be pretty hard to get at the age of 20. What about, um, maybe not anymore, but. What about more, um, any historical examples you can think of? I've been on like a, a kick re- recently. The one I got into recently, which was like once I, I don't know, I could be wrong. But when I got into the hell, I got on a Helen Keller kick race recently. And I was just like, and it's like, as soon as yeah. someone said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's obviously fake. How, how could that have ever happened? I'm not saying it was, but I'm saying it feels weird because you look at her and you, you hear the story and you're, you grow up hearing the story. Like since you're like a five, you hear the story of Helen Keller. But but it's not just that she was deaf and blind and and but could still somehow go out and function in the world. She was deaf and blind and wrote books and had strong political opinions. <laughs> that's that's right. the part I'm like, She's, okay, you're telling me you're like, rah, yeah. rah, but you need to raise taxes and we need the Disabilities Act. Yeah. Like that's the part that I'm like, Stephen Hawking. Like, Hawking, yeah, Hawking's a yeah. Right. I mean, is that not Hawking's obvious? perfect because like, who knows who knows what he's typing in that thing? Like he could just be a he could just be an actual vegetable who's just going around, you know. Yeah, I mean, we have absolutely no idea. We'll never know. You know another one, and I hate to do this because it sounds so bad, but Giffords, the one who was brain damaged from uh, the woman. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabby, Gabby Giffords, or is that? Yeah. Yes, yeah. She she can't when she's interviewed. She really can't put two. You know, she could put two words together, but she can't write extensive editorial. Well, she they claim that her um, interface, like live, is impaired but that her brain functioning is not so she can write these really elaborate New York Times articles right yeah and I just I don't believe that but I hate to say it because you know she's human being Mm -hmm. and I think she's being exploited or maybe I'm 
a cynical asshole and I'm wrong. There's a range you know, of it could be. <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, they, both things could be true. <laughs> it could be cynical asshole too. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I just, I, if you want to talk about historical examples, I thought something was really funny. I was in the Wikipedia entry for the expression Nero fiddles while Rome burns. So that apparently was because contemporary reports at the time said that Rome itself, like the Roman government burned Rome, that they had put the fire out. It popped up again in different places. And, you know, it went on for six days, but they kept the people on the ground kept putting it out and it kept like reigniting. And then at the end of it all, they started the persecution of the Christians. They blamed Christians on the fire. I don't even know, you know, what, what different, what, what were Christians doing to make the fire? But in Wikipedia, it says, it literally tries to debunk these conspiracy wow. theories, which are like 2000 years wow. old. It's like, you know what? These are historical documents. Like shut the fuck it up. It is true. Like for, for me, it's been like, yeah, I was already sort of always in this realm. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the couple of three years of COVID when you could see the lies in real time. And it was just so obvious that I couldn't, I could no longer even, you know, I couldn't even keep that seed of doubt. Like maybe I'm just being crazy thinking some of this stuff. So, but then, <laughs> then when you see it in real time for the modern day, you start to, you know, start to zoom out and you start to see like, okay, well maybe, you know, maybe Stephen Hawking is, this is, was a weird thing too. I know. But if, like if I can't even believe the now, the real time, then I certainly, how can I believe, well, first you start with like the more modern times. Then you're like, how can I believe history? Then you're like, Phew. All right, Nero. Can I believe Mozart? Like Shakespeare? Like it's like it just it, it never ends. Oh, you should read Against the Grain. It's about uh, the agricultural revolution and there that we had domesticated plants and animals for four thousand years before we went agricultural. And agri the agricultural revolution was a tax and slavery thing where the I guess you know a power center grew up and and came and said okay now we're going to put all this effort into grain because grain will harvest all at once we can tax it whereas prior to that the people were supposedly living large in a kind of permaculture environment where you'd focus on tubers and stuff that you can harvest that can stay in the ground for a really long time just redirect the migration of animals so that they would kind of walk past you and you could kill what you needed when the time came for 4000 years so you can go back and say like the very foundations of civilization are based on tax slavery. Mm, wow. Well, Monica, I can, I can tell, I'll have to look into that book. That, that, that does sound really interesting, to, but uh, I can tell we're starting to, to heat up and get into the weird zone. So maybe this is a, maybe this is a good time to wrap <laughs> yeah. the show. I know you're going to stick around with me, hop into the smoke filled room, uh, but why don't you just take uh, one more shot at letting everybody know where they can find everything you're doing out there. Uh, obviously the main show deep dives with Monica Perez, but uh, any ways they can also contact you, uh, support you, etc. Thank you so much. So uh, yes, deep dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform, trying to keep that very high quality. So hopefully you'll enjoy everything you find there, uh, which is my solo stuff when I dive into a topic, but also dive master interviews, some great buddy dives. If you will allow, I will include this on that Certainly. feed. I can, Always be reached at Monica Perez Show on Twitter. I try to answer every tweet that I get. I really love to engage on Twitter in the evenings. Um, and then I have a website, monicasdeepdives.com, which I'm trying to repopulate with my archives from when WordPress took me down and set me up. I can tell you about that. And I can also tell you about why I think dinosaurs are fake in the after show, in the smoke filled room, if you like. That sounds like a great teaser. I think we can get into all that stuff. So Monica, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, coming on and joining me. Thanks for coming on my show. Thank you so much. All right, kiddies, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the great, and I do mean great, Monica Perez. And this conversation, it kept going. It got wilder. It got crazier. We got into all sorts of topics in the smoke filled room bonus segment available for all of my premium subs, Patreon, Subscribestar, Rockfin. I give you all the options. Check out your favorite as little as eight bucks a month. You can access the extended premium editions early and often of every single episode of the Mark Claire show. Also, Mark's monthly musings. That's coming soon. I'm going to get that before the end of December. Sometime this week, I got to get together for you. And random bonus shows like the one I did with Pete Quinones. I'm talking about Ancient Apocalypse. That show got a hell of a response, so there will likely be 
more content along those lines to come all for the grand grand low low price of eight dollars a month again patreon patreon.com slash mark claire show subscribe star rockfin all the links are available at markclaire.com that's m-a-r-c-c-l-a-i-r.com one of my greatest supporters the greatest supporter if i were to be honest because he pays the most is jared wall owner of thchempspot.com. You get a nice 15% off discount code by heading over there using discount code Mark. You got to spell it right though. Mark, M-A-R-C. And of course, don't forget my friend Stephen Fox and his fine, fine, fine dark roast coffee. He has many roasts, but I like the dark roast over at foxandsonscoffee.com. Use discount code MCS to get 15% off your order. Until next week, my friends, in case I don't see you, in case I don't make it, (laughs) I'll make it. Don't worry. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.